Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. You know, many of our most common remedies come from nature. Aspirin, digoxin, even certain chemotherapies trace their roots to specific plants and have become standard treatment for medical conditions. But can a different approach to medicine, in particular that of a naturopathic physician, be combined with standard medical care? Well, maybe not everyone thinks so, but today we're going to explore the different philosophies a bit more, find some common ground, because I think there's a bit more than some people may think. Dr. Steve Benchuk is in the studio. He's a trained naturopathic physician, and he's going to help explain the trajectory that this field of medicine has taken and areas where it may just be coming to the forefront. As always, you can join our conversation at 941-3689, toll free from our neighbor island friends, 877-941-3689. If you've ever seen a naturopath or if you've ever actually had an experience where you felt some of the direction that they gave you was a little different but complementary or successfully used in addition to what you've heard from your regular doc, or maybe even better, um, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Kind of get an overall viewpoint of how things have worked for you. That often helps all of us to learn from one another. I know when I hear other people's experience, that that definitely kind of clues me into different ways to do things. Dr. Steve, welcome to The Body Show. Pleasure to be here, Kathy. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I'm glad you're here. You know, a lot of people have preconceived notions as to what it means to be a naturopathic physician, but sometimes they don't realize there is a lot of rigorous training that takes place for you to achieve this level of certification. Uh, tell me about your schooling. Tell me how, how in general does somebody become a naturopath and how did you? Okay, yeah, sure. Uh a lot of people ask what a naturopath is. So I always tell them a naturopathic doctor is basically a primary care physician that specializes in alternative and integrative care. Um, as far as going, it's very similar to um, MD school because you have to do your prereqs in undergrad, your chemistry, your uh, anatomy, your biochem, all those things you have to do before you can qualify to get into the school. Um, for me, I didn't even know there was a thing called naturopathic medical school. I just was doing my general studies and was applying to schools, and I discovered this and found it really resonated very well with my ideas of healthcare and for things I was already doing myself on my own. So basically, the schooling is um, first two years are heavily science based. Um, so you do all your ologies, your you know, pharmacology, um, your, your your embryology, gross anatomy, biology, all the same things gotcha. that a, a MD curriculum would have you do. Um, then you do your boards, you do your science boards, and then you go into clinic. Uh, there is kind of where some of the differences lie, I think. Um, MDs will do more clinical, but we continue our didactic training um, throughout those four years. So not only would, do we have to learn um, pathology, pharmacology, and minor surgery, we're also doing botanical medicine, homeopathy, clinical nutrition, um, naturopathic uh, adjustments, basically kind of like a chiropractor or osteopathic doctor would do. Um, and in, our, in my school, we did acupuncture as well. So once you get in a clinic, a lot of the students will find uh, their subspecialty. Uh, they'll find something they really gravitate to, and they tend to 
kind of branch off a little bit in their own specific fields. Um, so for me, it was a lot of IV therapy, uh, endocrine um, disorders, um, natural pain management, things like that really fascinated me. So I would do internships and some residencies with rheumatologists and things like that to kind of hone that craft. And then after four years, you take your boards, you take your clinical boards, and then you get um, licensed by the state of where you're practicing. So it's, it's, it's almost identical in the number of years. So you get your college degree and you apply. You have to have all these prerequisites done for medical school, for a lot of places, you know, for MD school. You wind up spending the first two years, usually in a classroom. Some places now are, I know when I went to school, it was one of the first problem-based learning schools. So you kind of do the problem and then learn immediately. You're in the floors in the hospital, those sorts of things. But in general, it's two years of basic science, two years of clinicals. You do like medicine, surgery, OBGYN, neurology, dermatology, all the ologies. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you do additional training. So when I finished four years of medical school, I applied to do additional training. In my field, it's called an internship or residency. So I spent three years in Minnesota, and that's where I went ahead and learned more about doing internal medicine. And it was from there that I moved here. So after you do your four years of ND school, naturopathic school, you get a degree, and do you continue your training after that? There are residencies available. They're few and far between because it's federally funded. And it's kind of tough uh, for it's us. hard to find them. Yeah, it's tough for us to find. Uh, some people opt uh, for finding a residency. Some people just join a private practice like right away. Like a preceptorship. Away. So you work with exactly. Dr. So-and-so, and you learn from him or her how to do what it is your particular focus is. And that's where you kind of learn your, your subspecialty, and that's where you kind of hone your craft. Um, I know there's a Dr. Michael Traub in the Big Island. He has a residency um, that he has. So there are opportunities to do additional training. Every school will have a residency gotcha. program for their clinic, uh, and then there's private practices as well. So you have some options. Yeah. So by the time you finish, you've done your four years of college. You've done your four years of, of naturopathic medical school. You go out into practice. You're doing things in your area of particular interest or specialty. Mm -hmm. And you also have to pass board certification examinations, just like I do, and, and all these sorts of different various, you know, checks and balances. You have to dot sure. the I's and cross the T's. Now, a lot of folks come to me, and, you know, there's there's some general conditions that I see a lot of in my office. A lot of musculoskeletal stuff, a lot of mm -hmm. diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, age-related things, arthritis, uh, illnesses, you know, bronchitis, sinusitis, that sort of stuff. That probably incorporates that that quick little sentence incorporates probably 90% of what I do um, in in my practice. What are the most common things people see you for? Typically, someone comes to me, not as a primary care doctor, although that's you know, some of my background, but um, they've been to their primary care doctor. Um, they've probably been to their specialist. Um, and either they're, they're, they're not having the satisfaction uh, or relief. Or we want to give them lots of pills. That's always a possibility. Or, yeah. yeah. And either a lot of people want to get off the medications because they're becoming more educated about them, or they want to prevent um, themselves from getting on those medications, or they want to reduce those medications if possible and maybe deal with some of the side effects of those medications. So typical chronic illnesses would be you know, things like diabetes, uh, uh, hypertension, 
migraines, things like that. that kind of the um, same things that I'm seeing. That a lot of the same things you're saying. But also, we also get the chronic, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and a lot of kind of those uh, cases where no one kind of really knows what's going on with them. You know, they have this really this fatigue or this pain, and they, as good as our diagnostic testing is, it's not perfect. It's not perfect, and we can only measure certain things. So we can offer them different testing, a different way of looking at a more holistic approach. Well, let's look at you know, let's look at diet, let's look at the whole body, and just try not to chase the symptoms around. Um, so I always kind of make the analogy, if you think of a cut on your finger, you know, your body will heal that cut quite well on its own, right? We can put herbs or nutrients that accelerate that natural biochemical healing mechanism. Um, if there's something in there, like an obstruction, that's keeping it from healing, you can take that out. You can just remove it, clean it out. Like a splinter, a piece of glass, sure, yeah. Right, sure, sure. Um, and if it's really bad, you can suture the ends together. Then, But in the end, the body can heal that uh, quite well. So if you take that concept and say, put that to like an autoimmune condition or, or migraines or something like that, we, we do think the body can heal on its own if we kind of follow certain basic principles. Um, so anything that's kind of obstructing um, the healing mechanism, so that could be diet, lifestyle, uh, could be the medication they're on too. So if we can get rid of that, uh, toxins, we can get rid of toxins that are kind of holding them back. Heavy metal um, toxicity is pretty big in Hawaii, especially with mercury. Um, I see a lot of clients coming to me. They've been referred to their, uh, from their PCP to me to get rid of some of those high mercury levels. And then basically we want to feed, feed that pathway. We want to feed that natural healing pathway. We try to do it as natural and non-toxic as possible. So let's, you know, one of the things that I thought might be interesting to do today is sort of talk about the approach mm -hmm. to different medical conditions and how that might be approached in a, in a conventional treatment scenario and how it might be approached in, in a alternative scenario as well. So let's take a look at one of the things I see a lot. Let's just pick on one. Sure. We'll pick on diabetes because there's a lot of diabetes out there. I saw somebody today who did an absolutely fantastic job of working on nutrition to help their diabetes. But if, if I see somebody come in and their sugars are really high, you know, obviously nutrition is an aspect of this and having them meet with a dietitian is ideal if that is something they need to work on. And a lot of times it is. If somebody can't do well with their nutrition and their sugar levels in their blood are still really high, we'll start talking about medication. And there's a variety of medicines that I can name off that are very common. Metformin or glucophage is often given. Uh, people will take mm -hmm. medications like Genuvia and Actos and, and all sorts of different things, Gliburide, et cetera. There's a, there's a whole arsenal of medication, all trying to change how the body either absorbs sugar, metabolizes sugar, or deals with this sugar that's in the bloodstream. Because it's in the bloodstream, and that's what causes damage to other areas sure. of the body. And so we start them on medication. Insulin is often given if their levels are high enough or if they're, if they're not succeeding with their medication. And it seems like we see them periodically. We try and prevent these secondary complications of diabetes, and we generally 
and you know, this is an overgeneralization, so I'm certain there's different approaches to it. But our goal is to reduce the sugar back to normal, and often we do so with a pharmacologic approach, assuming that the patient is, of course, following all the nutrition recommendations given by a nutritionist, and that's sort of our standard of care treatment. If you saw someone with diabetes with higher levels of sugar in their blood, how might that be addressed differently? Well, of course, uh, yeah. If they're seeing a nutritionist and they're doing all the right things. And well, now that's the perfect that's, assumption, Yeah, that's Dr. the perfect Steve. patient as well. That is not the perfect patient that uh, I see all the time. <laughs> uh, but nutrition yeah, There's a lot of motivation, yeah. Okay. First thing when they come in the office, I have them do a diet diary. I want them to take control of their health. Um, write down everything they eat. Write down everything they eat. If they have excess fat, that's going to contribute to their insulin resistance. So if they have the excess fat, we'll put them on a diet and we'll try to get rid of that excess fat. And then we'll go to a hypoglycemic diet, uh, similar to a a diet, um, Dr. Bernstein diet, uh, Diabetes Solution. There's a good book out there. Um, The low-carb, kind of high-fat diet works really well in controlling blood sugars. Um, But there's a couple things you can do, a couple supplements that are really good. Chromium is a good supplement. It's a mineral. Um, it can help actually bind to the insulin receptors and activate some of the insulin. Um, alpha lipoic acid is also another great nutrient. Uh, it protects the cell damage. Um, it helps with the insulin resistance. Um, things like green tea. Excellent uh, for helping um, reduce some of the damage to the pancreatic cells as well. What about things like I hear about cinnamon? Cinnamon is good. Cinnamon is a, a great herb. If they can tolerate kind of the higher doses. So like not cinnamon pancakes. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> not cinnamon. My favorite herb for diabetes is genemia. That's a great herb. Uh, it just works. We Talk about holistic. This is like a holistic herb because it hits on different levels. So um, not only is it kind of good in regenerating the beta cells of the pancreas, which is the cells that make the insulin, uh, it helps reduce the blood sugar levels. And actually, if taken um, in a tincture where you can actually taste it, it, it will actually deaden the, the taste buds' ability to taste sweet. So it's really interesting in that regard. It's almost just made for diabetics. So when people talk about taking supplements, you mentioned chromium, alpha lipoic acid, you mm-hmm. mentioned green tea, you mentioned genemia. Where are they getting such things? I mean, are we walking through the aisles of GNC? Are we at Long's? Are there some supplements that are better than others? Yeah. I know with like some of the prescription medications that I meant, um, that I mentioned, there are, you know, FDA requirements. You have to meet certain stringent criteria on how to produce this. It is regulated, monitored, approved, all this sort of stuff. It's like lots of different. Yes. Dot I's to dot T's to cross, you know, so there, there are all these requirements. But sometimes when we talk about supplements, since they're not regulated by the FDA, not all of them are the same. So when you mention some of these things, where would someone go about getting chromium? Is this something you could find at 
GNC? Is there a certain particular type? Or is this the sort of stuff where if you're seeing someone who's a trained naturopath, they are probably going to have sources that are not necessarily commercially available Mm -hmm. without a prescription, similar to my prescription for, you know, metformin. You couldn't just walk into Long's and buy metformin. You'd need some sort of a written authorization to get a certain type. Is it similar to that in your world? It's kind of like the Wild West. Uh, The Wild (laughs) West instead. Okay. There are, there are, um, certain uh, manufacturers that really like to only sell to physicians because they're of a higher quality. It's going to cost a little more, and they actually the physician will kind of help them um, actually kind of make the sale in a way. Because if that was put into a product next to say something you bought at Long's that was really of poor quality. Nine times out of ten, the person's probably going to get the whatever's cheapest. Sure, I mean, and knowing the form of the vitamin is like chromium. You want chromium picolinate. Um, there are different forms that are better uh, absorbed than others, of course, and usually those forms are a little bit more expensive. Uh, so, if you're going to a naturopath, they can either order it for you. Maybe they have it in the office. Then maybe they can recommend. Um, I know there's stores like maybe Vim, Vim and Vigor might have some of the higher-end vitamins. Even Whole Foods uh, might have some of the higher-end. But there's brands, pure encapsulated, things like that. I don't have any connection to any of them, but they tend to be more of a what they call physician-grade. Uh, we kind of trust them a little bit more. And when I do prescribe, say, a vitamin or a mineral, I'd like to know that they're getting a good quality because then I don't really know if it works or not. If you get something that's a poor quality and it didn't work, well, maybe it just didn't work because it was a poor quality vitamin. Sure. So I can rely on, you know, metformin coming from right. X manufacturer and it's tested and the FDA takes a look at this and pharmacies always give the same thing if I prescribe that particular medicine. Whereas for you, one of the reasons why naturopaths may actually have these different types of vitamins and minerals in their office is because that's one of the few ways that you can make sure someone's getting the right thing. Right, right. That's, you, you can do quality control that way. Which explains um, a to lot. To extent, yeah. Sure. I mean, sometimes people say, well, you know, I go to see a naturopath and they want to sell me something from their office. Right. How do I know if it's the right stuff or not? Well, it's probably because you could find the stuff somewhere else, but how would you know that it's, it's of the quality or of the purity that you need? I know a few years ago they did a study looking at different supplements, how many of these supplements actually have what's supposed to be in it. And it was really widely varying. The Wild West, yeah. Wild West. And I always tell my clients, too, they don't have to buy any supplements from me. Um, Just find a particular brand or something that has this quality assurance that you're familiar with. You can get a lot of these uh, physician brands on the internet, too. Um, Gotcha. So it's not not necessarily making a lot of money from it. It's just making a lot of health changes from it. If it's going to work, you want to make sure it's the right sure. amount and dose. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here on The Body Show, dealing with the Wild West. Well, just when I thought <laughs> we were in Hawaii, I have an expert, Dr. Dr. Stephen Benchuk, who's here in the studio. He's a naturopathic medical doctor. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about different conditions that could be treated in altering ways and how important lifestyle could be to treat some of the most common illnesses that we 
see collectively in our office as physicians, but also the people out there experience. As always, you can join us at any time. We are at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. For the first time, Kuwana Torres Kahele and various Hula Hala will be performing the new music he has created for the Hawaiian Islands across two back-to-back concerts. This year's HPR Paliku Theater event on August 7th gives you the choice of an afternoon or an evening performance, or choose both and enjoy a mini luau between shows. Please go to events on hawaiipublicradio.org for more. Kuwana Torres Kahele, August 7th at the Paliku Theater. It's the final stretch of the presidential primaries. Hillary Clinton hopes to clinch the Democratic nomination. I will work my heart out to give you the future that we deserve. Six states decide, from New Jersey to California, where Bernie Sanders wants to win big. I think we're going to win here in California. I'm Ari Shapiro. Join us tomorrow when NPR teams up with WNYC and KQED for live coverage of the big night. Tomorrow at 4 p.m. on HPR One. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Nohea Gallery and Kaiser Permanente. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Stephen Benchuk. He is a naturopathic medical doctor who has been practicing here in the islands for the last several years. And we're talking about how to use a different modality instead of either or. We're talking about and. You know, a lot of times when you see primary care providers, they have a great list of things that we want to do for you and treat you for particular conditions. And sometimes we don't have all the answers. I'm the first one to admit that. And so using various different complementary modalities of medicine often helps to treat things a little bit better than just taking a one-size-fits-all approach. If you've ever had that experience or if you've kind of been curious about what a naturopath might be able to do for your medical condition, you can always join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, before the break, we were talking about the wild west of supplements and how there are certain brands that have a better quality control and better purity and various things than others. And so checking with an expert would always be helpful. There's another condition that I think, you know, conventional medical treatment has been failing, significantly. I mean, just turn on the headlines. And that's chronic pain. And I think, you know, truthfully, for a lot of folks who do experience pain, our treatment, in not not for everybody, granted, but in a lot of primary care practices and or specialty practices has been pain medication. You know, pain became the fifth vital sign after blood pressure and heart rate and height and weight. And it's become... A huge epidemic, you know, nationwide, 98% of all pain medicine is used in the United States. I think Vicodin in particular, 98% of prescriptions are written in the U.S. And now we're starting to see the ramifications of this. We're seeing people who are addicted to pain pills. We're seeing celebrities like Prince who are dying of fentanyl, various different types of sequelae of using medicines, maybe initially correctly for orthopedic injuries or pain or for various issues. And now we're creating a whole community of people that are becoming addicted to pain medicine. And it is equally the responsibility of the individual and the doctor to figure out a different modality for chronic pain. 
there have been a couple of accepted modalities that have really been brought mainstream. Acupuncture is one of those. Chiropractic is another one. Massage therapy. What could a naturopath bring to the table when we talk about chronic pain issues? The way I look at chronic issues like pain, I like to kind of treat it in two ways. So I want a long-term plan, and I want a short-term plan to give them relief. Um, So take something like migraines. So assuming they've probably been to other doctors before they come to see me. Um, So what would be a long-term objective? Well, okay, we could find, say, food sensitivities by doing certain testing uh, that they might not find with their uh, conventional doctor. Uh, those certain foods, if we pull them, pull them out of the, their diet, they might get um, less, uh, less migraine attacks. There's other diets like a low teramin diet. Now, teramin is amino acid that's been associated with uh, as being a trigger for a lot of headaches. So this is a long, longer-term solution. Um, we can treat triggers as far as like stress, hormone imbalance, insomnia, um, you know, testing for toxins or heavy metals, um, checking the gut flora, things like that where we can have, uh, we're, we're thinking more of a long-term solution. Now, for short-term, as far as a naturopath, um, IV therapy works great. Um, IV magnesium, I would say about 70% of those cases can get a, a, almost immediate relief from their headache. Just with IV the, magnesium? Just with IV magnesium. Wouldn't work if it was oral? Not as well. Not as well. It's a, it's a different animal um, when taking, when taken um, intravenously. Um, first of all, if you take too much oral magnesium, it will go right through you, right? The body can only tolerate so much. And we the, use magnesium for constipation milk for of magnesia. very reason. Yes. Um, you don't have that problem if you're doing it, um, going directly to the circulatory system. Um, another thing we can do is we call trigger put injections. So that's basically we inject a vitamin, a homeopathic remedy with some procaine into areas of tension or actually into acupuncture points. Uh, that can give almost uh, immediate relief as well. Uh, also doing herbs like butter, burr, fever, foo. Those things uh, are they're more of a, of a uh, we're treating the symptom, yes, but we do have a long-term plan. Um, they can definitely take oral magnesium as well. I would recommend that. I think that'd be great. But yeah, I'd like to treat it in both ways: long-term solutions, and also have a short-term effective outcome for them, so they leave your office um, satisfied with their treatment. Sure, because when someone comes in with an acute migraine sure. headache, you know there's there's an, a need for an immediate type of relief. Yeah. But you're right. You know, it's I've seen people come into my office with migraines and I'm like, so how's your stress? I'm thinking this is a really good time to ask because, you know, the shades are dark, the light is dimmed. I'm asking about their stress and they're in severe pain. I think they're stressed right now yeah. about their pain. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, when you look at it from that perspective, that long-term approach is really necessary. And for for not just migraines but a lot of different things you know the Mayo Clinic where I've where I spent 3 years has really adopted a lot of the complementary medicine approaches in fact they have a whole book the Mayo Clinic guide to alternative medicine and even on their website you, we we were talking earlier and you said their website has changed dramatically if you look up migraine yeah. which is one of those particular handouts that I like to give patients, and I'll go to the website, and I'll just print one copy of the most recent version. It's usually about 10, 14 pages, big writing, so it's not like, you know, a huge book they have to read. 
But now they're starting to look at, you know, the symptoms, the diagnosis, the treatment, the prevention. And they also added some other sections down the bottom looking at, you know, alternative medicine cures. What are some of the herbal treatments you could use? What are some of the lifestyle things you could use? So when you mention some of these different types of of treatments, such as, you know, butterbur, feverfew, these are not things that are coming out of left field, although they might sound it to somebody who's not familiar with the terminology. You know, my thought on it is, look, if even the Mayo Clinic is looking at some of these things, clearly there is something to be said for treating it with this alternative or complementary medicine approach. Cleveland Clinic has started doing the same thing. Right. Massachusetts General has started. So we need to look at it from a more comprehensive approach. And it's not all just take an injection of pain medicine, your headache is gone today, see me the next time you get one. There really is that long-term issue. Let's talk about things like chronic mm-hmm. pain if it wasn't for a migraine. What if it was for chronic back pain? What other modalities can we consider that don't require just take a pain pill, you'll feel better, and go about your regular activities as if nothing's changed? Well, yeah, we want to lower inflammation overall. So we want to create a, a, an environment or terrain in the body that's basically anti-inflammatory. Um, there's diets that can do that, taking out the inflammatory foods. And so like what would be an example of an inflammatory food? And don't you dare tell me chocolate. <laughs> Skip that one. It might be in there, but I, I won't mention nope, it. Nope, you won't mention that. Uh, red meat is considered inflammatory food. Um, there are certain nightshades that are considered inflammatory. Nightshade is like tomatoes, peppers, things like that. Um Shellfish, things that are, people are co- commonly reactive to, um, can be considered inflammatory. Vegetable oils, um, not omega oils, they're anti-inflammatory. So basically by removing some of those pro-inflammatory uh, um, foods, we can sl- slowly, over time, this is another a long-term issue, kind of change that a little bit. Now, other things you can take for inflammation, um, fish oil, at the correct dosage, is a great anti-inflammatory. Now, explain that for a moment, because I think a lot of folks will go to Costco or Long's or Sam's or Safeway or wherever sure. they go. And uh, I mention a lot just to be equal opportunity. Um, but they <laughs> find fish oil and they say, okay, I'm going to take fish oil. I take one tablet a day. And yet, if you're not quite sure of the specifics of those ingredients, you might not get a benefit because you're not taking enough. So right. give us a quick little tutorial on fish oil. Yeah, we do. We hear sound bites about fish oil all the time, how it's great for this and that. Um, but there are actually solid studies on that. Um, so when you look on the back of your fish oil bottle, you will see two types of omega-3 fatty acids. One is going to be EPA. One is going to be DHA. DHA is the one your mother told you, you know, eat fish. It's good for your brain. It's great for your brain. It's been used for, you know, depression, and, and it, 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 it's a great fatty acid. The one we're really looking at for inflammation is EPA. Now, the therapeutic dosage, that is about 2,000 milligrams of EPA. So if you look on the back of your bottle and your says 300, 400 milligrams, you have to take quite a bit of that. That's, again, where the quality, um, the quality of the vitamin is going to be uh, key here. So you're not taking 10 capsules a day of fish oil. Um, and as far as inflammation, too, there's natural uh, things we can do like prolotherapy. Um, 
I'm using ozone, prolozone. We're actually injecting into the paraspinous muscles, say for back pain. Uh, there's a lot of great studies on that for pain relief. Um, at my clinic, um, Dr. Pasquale is doing stem cell treatment, uh, where you're taking stem cells from adipose tissue and converting them uh, into stem cells, and you're injecting it into the areas of pain. Um, so, having, so sort of a regenerative approach? It's regenerative. Basically, you're telling the body, hey, come fix this. Uh, come fix this. This is kind of broken. Because you think about areas like tendons, ligaments, discs, they don't get a lot of nutrition. There's not a lot of f- blood flow there. So in general, the rate of, deco- of, 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 of decomposition, or, or for a better term, is greater than a rate of rebuilding. Sure, they degenerate over time, and we start to see this imbalance. So, you know, and I'd always come back to the fact that it's really difficult when you have chronic back pain to exercise. But exercise may be one of the keys to strengthening your core to eliminate the chronic back pain. So, you know, meeting with a physical therapist Mm -hmm. and working on the physical aspect, in addition to everything else, it really has to take that holistic approach. It's not like take a bunch of muscle relaxants and and pain pills because there's got to be more to it. Physical therapy is almost a must for any sort of uh, pain issue. And we have, we're lucky enough to live in Hawaii where there's the ocean. And I always tell my clients, especially, you know, arthritis, go in the ocean. Do a workout in the ocean. Takes all the weight off your joints and things like that. And, yeah, exercise is one of my – there's not many silver bullets or magic bullets, but that's one of exercise them. is one of them. That's one of them. All right. Yeah. We've got a caller on the line. We've got Eric from Kaimuki. Eric, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. Hi there. Good afternoon. Hello. Good afternoon. Um, so yeah, I, uh, was listening to your show. I actually have quite a bit to mention or a few things to ask, actually. Sure. Um, one, yeah, you talked about supplements. Um, have you heard of the company doTERRA? doTERRA, yes. They make essential oils, I believe. Yes. Uh, therapeutic grade. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to shill anything, but, uh, we've, uh, had some experience with that. Um, do you know what candida is? Yes, it's a it's an overgrowth of a fungal o- overgrowth, um, and we it's a very common problem actually. Yeah, yeah, because uh, actually I've run through the gambit of traditional medicine, our doctors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We've gone to see we had gone to see gastroenterologists. Uh, my wife had um, cyclical vomiting; she was diagnosed with. And basically the GI finally that we got to see after about a year uh, said they didn't know what to do about it. They couldn't treat the symptom, if anything, but they didn't know what triggered it. They didn't know what caused it. And then she started taking essential oils and treatment for candida and hasn't been to the hospital since. Great. Great. Um, Yeah, as far as uh, pain medication, uh, that's helped. There's uh, definitely... We've gone through natural, and you mentioned acupuncture. Um, one of the questions I had, actually, is why is it that insurance, they tend to lean towards, like you said, um, prescribing pain medication versus physical therapy. Uh, it's a very strange yeah. approach because it's really not cost-effective. And we found much better results with an extended physical therapy plan. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Well, Eric, you're not going to find any answers about explaining insurance companies on uh, on the show today. So uh, I'd, yeah. I'd be I'd be hard pressed to try and explain to you why people do what they do. But I think you're absolutely right as far as the basis of physical therapy being perhaps a better long term solution than pain medication. And and you know we're seeing that boy every time you turn on the news, there's always someone or somebody that you've heard about that has had some serious problem or pharmacies being robbed for pain medicine. So you're preaching to the choir on that one, buddy, because yeah, uh, I think... I mean, yeah. we've, had a lot of, we've had a lot of experience with several of the things you've touched upon. Um, the other thing, uh, how do you feel as far as CBD um, therapy? I think it's great. Um, I okay, think it's and I'm the one that going. doesn't know what you're talking about. Uh Cannabinoids, cannabinoids. Is that, okay. is, that, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, cannabinoids. Yeah, yeah cannabinoids. Is um, that what we call it now? CBD therapy? It's well, there's there's uh, there's I mean, I just, different uh, chemicals they found. I guess so. In, I mean, I'll be honest, Eric. I just call it medical plant. marijuana, but uh, I didn't know I'm out of the hip terms of <laughs> CBD. I, I'm I'm well, clearly not the hip. You're one. not really talking to a hipster. It just happens to be <laughs> um, different chemicals that have been found sure. as far as medicinal uses are yeah. now getting broken apart and actually looked upon further and with more, uh, I don't want to say scrutiny, but, you know, a closer look has been taken. Yeah, um, and, and the CBD is, has been a, a big component for pain management. There's topicals you can do and things like that. Um, and, it, and really getting away from focusing on the THC part of it, which there is, I think there's a component to that, um, much like opiates kind of kind of separate you from the pain a little bit. But the CBDs tend to work in a different way. Um, so it's interesting, you know, when we're talking about dispensaries opening up in Hawaii, that people may have more access to this. Well, and I yeah. honestly think, to be honest, from the, from the conventional medicine perspective, we have to look at... I'll, I'll call. I, w- I won't be cool. CBD. I'm just going to call it <laughs> medical marijuana. But sure. I really think that here we are with a medication that doesn't have a a problem anywhere near as much with some of the other opiates as far as toxicity is concerned, as far as overdose rates are concerned. If there's any, I don't think there's ever been a significant overdose on marijuana. And we're looking at potential medical benefits. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, because of the way that it has been looked at in the past, with somewhat blinders on it, which is illegal drug, must prosecute, must do all these things, the the medical community really has not taken it as seriously as it could at looking at its therapeutic value. And we're starting to see that all the different states that are looking at it as a medical value, some states have even made it recreational. You know, I'll stick my, my thoughts on it to the medical part, but you know, and this is this is sort of a, a flippant answer, but I would much rather have somebody use medical marijuana than get addicted to Vicodin, because if they can sure. get pain relief and still be functional, and still be able to go about their daily day and job, you know, that's fantastic. They're not going to wind up accelerating to potentially illegal drugs or having all these negative consequences. I'm all yeah. for it. The fact that we haven't had dispensaries and still don't kind of made the whole passage of medical marijuana ironic because you can have it, but grow it yourself. You can't get it from here. So we're finally looking in that direction. Right, and, right. and realistically, I think the medical community is is definitely going to be well served by looking at this alternative form of pain control as we get guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control on how to appropriately prescribe narcotics and right. get all this other information that's being presented to us. 
that is putting us in a position where they're saying, you know, primary care docs and, and specialists, stop using so many opiates. You're not doing it correctly. What else can you do? But right. If you don't have an answer to that as well. It's, there, it's very a, difficult. Pain is very legitimate. Right? It is. You right. can't, you, you know, it's just because you can't see it on a scan doesn't necessarily mean it isn't there. We're far from knowing everything about the body and well, that's what we're here to learn today. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting. He brought up candida and, and things like that and, and gut health, being involved in so many different issues um, from joint pain to migraines to everything like that. We'll come back in in just a minute. And we'll talk some more about that. We have a term that's been bantered about called the gut microbiome. That's something that sort of made it mainstream. Mm-hmm. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Stephen Benchuk. He is a naturopathic medical doctor. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the things that our caller Eric mentioned and a couple of other callers on the line. And we're going to look at some of these areas of medical treatments that can be complementary and used together rather than used in separation or isolation, because often the combination works better than anything else. As always, if you have a thought or a comment, you can join us, 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us. The typical visitor won't notice the economic problems in Greece. If you go to places like Mykonos, Santorini, you would never know that there was any problem at all because everything's going full steam ahead. Find summer fun in France. You go in the summer and you've got festival absolutely everywhere. Everywhere. And Chris Morgan enjoys the wild side of Europe. There are 700 wolves in Germany now. On the next Travel with Rick Steves. Tuesday at 4 p.m. following Fresh Air. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Kira Asatrian, author of Stop Being Lonely. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about how to create deep relationships and close friendships. Sunday morning at 11. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Straub Clinic and Hospital and Gourmet Events Hawaii. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Stephen Benchuk. He's a naturopathic medical doctor who is practicing here in the islands, and we were just talking about different approaches to medical health and how we can often complement these approaches together. And a lot of it is just based on looking at lifestyle, looking at exposure, diet, nutrition, exercise, you name it. It really is that old adage, you are what you eat, is unfortunately true. Now, we're going to talk about the gut microbiome. But before we do that, I want to talk with Lisa calling in from Nuuanu. Lisa, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I was calling because I... um I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, and I'm currently taking Nature Thyroid and various uh, hormone replacements like testosterone cream and progesterone at night and so forth. And it's helped a lot, but I still just get really tired even though I exercise. Um, I find if I have to get up at 6.30 in the morning, um, no matter what, I'm tired. And I kind of, after I drop my kids off at school, I need to just power nap for a little bit and then start my work day. And then later in the afternoon, I have to take another short nap to kind of just keep going. And my schedule is very hectic, but I was wondering um, what you had to say about 
chronic fatigue syndrome, what can actually be done to treat it? Really good question, Lisa, because, boy, you are not the only one yeah. who okay. wants to know. <laughs> were, you, a, were you diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, or do you suspect well, you might have it? No, but I think my doctor was kind of just poking around, so he checked my thyroid, and as I said, I, I was found to have some hypothyroidism, so I'm taking nature thyroid, and some of my hormones were, were off, so I am taking progesterone mm-hmm. and testosterone cream, um, and, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll take a vitamin B injection, and that helps a little, but it just seems that I should have more energy if I get eight hours of sleep a night, but it, it seems like if I get up before eight o'clock, and the only reason I know this is because on weekends I can sleep till about 8 or 8.30, but it seems like if I get up before 8 a.m., which I have to do during the, the work week, um, I'm just inevitably tired. Uh, but I do have a pretty hectic schedule. Um, I, I work pretty hard, and I have three kids at the same time. So, you know, I don't know if that just lifestyle contributes to it, or it's still kind of a mystery. I feel like I see other people who get five hours of sleep, and they're kind of powering through their day, and, sure. and they just have all this energy, and I'm I'm getting eight, nine hours, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> so Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and all your other labs are normal, right? There's no anemia or anything like that that you might suspect. Yeah, it was primarily my thyroid, um, progesterone, and testosterone. And when um, when did you start that? When did you start those uh, that hormone therapy? Um, the hormone therapy maybe a year now. Okay. So that should have kind of kicked in by now. Um, yeah, and it has yeah. helped. Because before, it, it was so bad that I would have to nap four times a day. And, and that's when I knew something was wrong and I really needed to get things checked out. So it has mm-hmm. helped, but I don't How's know. your I exercise recovery? So like when I have to nap more than your average person. Right. And you exercise every day? Uh, every other day. Every other day? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. How's your exercise recovery? you have a hard time recovering? Um... You know, if I go on a, a rigorous hike or something, yes. But if not, you know, it's usually maybe a two-mile walk slash run mm-hmm. with with my dog. Okay. Um, yeah, chronic fatigue syndrome is kind of it's it's a tough diagnosis to make. Uh, there are numerous different uh, symptoms or, or or symptomology associated with that. It's basically like a syndrome, and usually it's 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 very closely related to fibromyalgia in a lot of cases. And, uh-huh. um, you might, it might be lifestyle for you. Um, hard to tell kind of just over the phone, Yeah. but I yeah. would suggest one test. I would suggest, I don't know if you have, do you have your cortisol morning cortisol checked? Yeah. My doctor did check that. And How I was think it? it's normal. I, I don't, you know, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was, there were no red flags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other things you might try would be IV therapy. Uh, just basically what we call um, a Myers cocktail. There's this doctor that created this um, cocktail blend, almost like a multivitamin blend. Uh-huh. And he was treating so many different conditions, and uh, chronic fatigue was actually one of those conditions he was treating with that. And since then, we've really expanded on that, and we kind of really know how to tweak these formulas uh, really nicely. So it's basically a combination of amino acids, minerals, uh, and vitamins. And that could be very helpful in kind of giving you a little bit of a boost. Without knowing a little bit more, obviously, I'd probably want to know a little bit more about your history and mm-hmm. a little more in depth. And, you know, if you're my client, I'd, you know, 
you'd look back at your medical records and try to be a little bit more of a uh, investigate a little bit more and go yeah. a little more into depth. Um, and I'm sorry, ID therapy is that intravenous therapy orally administered, or is it that is uh, injected right into your vein? So oh. it's basically we're getting vitamins and we're bypassing the GI tract. Um, that way we get a lot better absorption. Um, and we get a little more, actually, we get a little more magic from doing the IV therapy than we do the oral therapy. Well, and I think, you know, Dr. Stephen, you mentioned a couple of highlights that really have a lot to do with lifestyle. So Lisa talked about everybody else seems to have more energy on five hours of sleep. And, you know, comparing yourself to everybody else is often going to make you feel somewhat deficient because sure. you, you know, but I'm not as, as energetic as, you know, Susie is and she only slept for five hours. It's lifestyle. It's also stress management. It's, mm -hmm. you mentioned exercise every other day. It's finding time to do those sorts of things. But I think also the the traditional medical treatment of chronic fatigue is to, and, and again, I'm, I'm guilty. This is what we do. We do a bunch of labs. If we don't see anything, we say we don't see anything. It's, I don't have any magic energy pills. If I did, <laughs> I would be on them. But, you know, we're somewhat limited as far as prescription medication. There's a couple of medicines out there, yeah. you know, Lyrica, Cymbalta, a couple of the ones that help, particularly with fibromyalgia, maybe more than right, chronic right, fatigue. Right. We found that antidepressants often work for chronic fatigue, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily that all patients who are chronically fatigued are depressed and vice versa. That's not really the case. So I think some of the things you mentioned, looking at it from the perspective of looking at vitamins, looking at nutrition, a lot of things that people take orally in pills your stomach acid just negates the effect of. So doing right, it in an intravenous right. solution may be helpful and might actually help somebody to get that nutrition that they need. So there's a lot of options. I think what I took from your description with Lisa is there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope and there's a lot of, um, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, varying degrees. I've seen people that were in wheelchairs with that. I mean, it's really... It Horrible varies, in a lot sure. Of it's it it's got like so an early much. stage where sure. you take a nap and you feel better, and then a later stage where you literally can't get out of bed. It's this whole spectrum of conditions that yeah. we don't find. They're so frustrated yes. because no one can really tell them what's wrong. With them. And yeah. there's a personalized approach. And the other yeah. thing that you mentioned is that you'd want to be a medical detective and look in and investigate the previous medical history with the idea that, that you might find some clues sure. that could help to further treat her symptoms or identify why it's there. Right. And like All when right. you're saying mind, body, house, distress, um, any you know, history, depression, things like that, that's going to have a huge effect on your energy if you feel drained all day. So, yeah, you really have, do have to kind of get in there and approach it from a holistic standpoint. You do. Yeah. All right, we've got another caller on the line. We have a Dr. Colson from the Big Island, from our neighbor island of Hawaii. Welcome to the Body Show. Hello, Doctor. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm a uh, I'm a physician, former military, retired, uh, recently retired, and public health. Um, and I'm an advocate of uh, naturopathic medicine. I've Great. funded them several times. I've um, and and I guess my my point is, and my I guess my experience is more qualitative uh, in, in a sense is that they've worked on the peripherals but that quantitative and again doctor I don't want to be uh, offensive but there there's just a, a quantitative lack sometimes we seem like we're guessing and whilst the traditional medicine has always been accused of that I really think we do have a mandate 
especially in the world that I lived in, in the military, was really solve problems, solve them quickly. Um, whereas I get sometimes with naturopathic uh, protocol that it's there's a lot more guesswork, there's a lot more flexibility, which you know is is great. I'm just wondering your your thoughts um, in terms of that the overall protocol. Um, in the end, is there ever a an end result that you know you can definitively say, okay, we really solved this here? A lot of times there is, and kind of my one of my goals is basically I, I don't want to, I, I don't want you coming back to my office. <laughs> I want to get you well enough uh, uh, that you're not visiting me. Um, I mean, nothing personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. It's not great for uh, my financial standpoint, but uh, and I think that's what every physician goes for. I mean, um, we're all trying to find the cause and not just chase symptoms. I mean. Um, we all know that um, every med school teaches that. Um, but I guess it's a different approach. You know, I often look at the randomized double-blinded controlled trial as like the gold standard in conventional medicine is we yeah. know this medicine works because we've done a trial. There were 6,000 people and this is how many got better and this is how many didn't. We do this statistical analysis. Does it look like this medication works better than the other one? And therefore, yes, it does. So we prove this works. And yet, you know, after practicing for almost 20 years, it has occurred to me that as much as I have treated diabetes, I haven't cured it. As much as I've treated hypertension, I haven't cured it. And and every time I think, oh, I've got the great new medication for for blood pressure, and if I give everybody this one, it'll work, then I come across a whole bunch of people for whom, no, it doesn't. So we've got to personalize and tailor treatment for them in a different way. And, you know, after all these years, it's sort of occurred to me, the best blood pressure medicine is the one that works, and whatever combination works for you is going to protect you, but I can't tell you what that combination is by following a standard protocol for everybody. Right. It's, it's sort of the more we know, the more we don't know. And we talk about the flexibility and sort of the end goal. You know, yeah. can you say that this this treatment, this Myers IV mix is going to cure everybody with chronic fatigue? Absolutely and, not. Uh, probably yeah. not. And right. yet, can I do it? Well, <laughs> probably not. So it's interesting. I think we do have to take a more scientific approach to looking at some of the alternative medicine uh, ways that we do things. But we also have to consider that not everything fits into a standard, randomized, double-blinded trial. And Absolutely. And actually, for what he was saying, I think um, conventional medicine actually is a little bit more guilty of not actually having an exit strategy of getting off medications. It just seems... If Am I di- guilty? <laughs> no, of course not you. You can say I'm guilty. That's all right. I'll take that. But no, because I think, uh, especially, okay, diabetes, so progression, progression, progression. So eventually you're, 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 you're you know, treating neuropathy, and then you're treating this and treating that. You're treating the complications sure. as they arise. Um, Is there an end game? Yeah, I guess. Just keep somebody from having complications. You know, I think the interesting thing about it is that when people come from different perspectives, I really do think the better aspect of medicine is going to be integrate some of the stuff you're doing with some of what I'm doing Absolutely. with the individual and their lifestyle and habits and their motivation and find a way to personalize the approach that'll get them to a goal of better sugar, more energy, better health sure. that might not be as defined you as could, you could reverse a some of that number. You know, type 2 diabetic. You can reverse some of that insulin resistance. Uh, they'll always be in, in 
danger of going back if they're not following, uh, um, you know, if they go back to a really unhealthy lifestyle. Um, but I think we can make, uh, by combining everything, uh, can make a big difference with that. And then when you are doing something natural, you have to be very careful with diabetics as well because you change the diet and if they're doing everything you tell them to do, their blood sugars will go down. And you have so to you watch have that. you have to watch sure. that, too, especially if they're taking insulin. You really have to. Or be. any medicine, really. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. We've got time for just one more quick caller. We have Fielding calling in from Kaimo Key. Welcome to the Body Show. Hello. Hello there. What can we do for Hello. you, Fielding? So I just wanted to um, comment, perhaps, on, and you guys probably are all aware of this as well, but on the, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, I just wanted to make comment that, you know, this is, uh, for a lot of people, consider this to be closely tied to uh, Epstein-Barr virus mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. cytomegalovirus, and mm-hmm. uh, that's a, kind of a key component for a lot sure. of people treating chronic fatigue syndrome. So those titers might be something that that the patient would be interested in looking at is getting their Epstein-Barr virus uh, titers drawn and see where they're at. And Absolutely. then, um, you know, just supplements that seem to be able to have uh, an effect on uh, keeping those numbers down is just simple stuff like zinc and uh, garlic uh, extract. And uh, there's even a medication called ProBoost, which is a thymic uh, supporter. You probably know about all this stuff, naturopathic doctor, I bet, huh? Uh, yeah, Epstein-Barr virus, uh, cytomegalovirus, um, have been implicated in uh, chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. Um, so a lot of times we'll do natural antivirals. Another one um, I don't think you mentioned was monolaurin, which basically comes from coconut. Uh, that's a great antiviral. Um, right, so I just wanted to kind of point that out to that patient that was calling that, that some of those things are definitely uh, worth looking into, and maybe you can help with that. Yeah. And then for the fibromyalgia thing, um, the, the low-dose naltrexone, too, has been pretty effective. I've used, so I've used that for a number of uh, clients, from cancer patients to chronic fatigue syndrome patients, um, with mixed uh, success. Uh, usually I combine that with probably a regimen of milk thistle alpha-lipoic acid, um, if it's a cancer patient, there's a there's a kind of a protocol. But yeah, yeah, low-dose naltrexone is uh, very interesting. Um, well, you know, I think a lot of what we've we've learned over the last can you believe it? It's almost been an hour, <laughs> Steve. Already wow. um, is that you know there's a lot more out in medicine than than certainly I learned in my years of medical school and in training, and there's so much greater of a need to personalize the approach. It's not one size fits all. That means one size doesn't fit anybody correctly. And it also requires a more holistic approach. I think, you know, had you talked to me when I was right out of training, it was here's the medication you give for high blood pressure. This is what you do and here's how you treat it. And fast forward a couple of decades and you're like, wow, there's so many other areas where we could work together and do that for the greater good of people who are suffering from these conditions. It really does make a lot of sense. Now, we didn't get a chance to talk about the microbiome. We are going to have to have you come back to do that. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. Well, thank you for having me. And having you back, because you just said you would. (laughs) All right, if you'd like to hear the show again, you can always click on our podcast, whypublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. 
You can also find us on Facebook as well. Our engineer is David Chang, our, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will see you next week. We're going to continue talking about medical care and different ways that we can help hopefully improve the health of all of us here who get to enjoy living here in the islands. We will see you right here next Monday. Oh,